I'm behind everything LaShawn said, but most of all, the making words up. <laughs> so, uh, so I've said, my name is Ben. It's my wife, Steph. We have the honor of leading this service, uh, not this church. Our wonderful pastors, Ryan and Suki, have just returned from a well-deserved rest for vacation. I think Ryan is around somewhere, um, but that's, that's where the headship of this house is. Um, we're going to have a guest speaker today. We have the honor of having Jeff Nichols uh, preach to us. If you want to come up. Um, Jeff has a long-standing, rich relationship with Pastor Ryan, especially, and now both Ryan and Suki's around 20 years. Is that? Uh, yeah, that's, that's what they say. I can't remember. It's been so long. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah my, my friend, uh, Travis, that came with me said, you married Ryan, right? And I said, no, I married my wife, but <laughs> yeah, I did their wedding, yep. And so Jeff comes to bring the word to us every so often. We're delighted to have you today. I'm going to pray for you real, real quick, if that's okay. Yeah, um, yeah Jesus, thank you, for, thank you for the inheritance, actually, that you have imparted to Jeff, Lord God. Jesus, thank you for the words he's going to bring today, Lord God, the revelation he is going to bring. Jesus, we just ask that you would give an infilling of your spirit, Lord God. You would like freshly pour out your spirit on Jeff right now, Lord God. You would be blessing every word he speaks, Lord God. Jesus, you would be ministering to our hearts as we receive. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Well, hello, everybody. I don't know whether I feel younger or older when I come here. Your, your enthusiasm makes me feel younger, but your energy kind of makes me <laughs> tired. <laughs> Not really. Not really. Well, gosh, uh, I guess Ryan and Suki and family just took a little trip to China, right? I mean, is that right? I got that right? And that's quite a, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big deal. Okay, my notes are not cooperating here. They're wanting to jump off the, let me do this. So I want to share with you um, this evening uh, something that I think is, is really easy for us to kind of miss. Um, I hadn't really thought about this too much until I started thinking about, actually, I, I was having a, personal devotion, and, um, and I came across uh, a couple of passages that talk about Jesus praying for us. The, the, we're going to look at them more in depth, but I want to give just a little bit of introduction, uh, just to kind of give you a foundation. You know, it says in Hebrews 7 that he, he lives to make intercession for us. And I just paused, and, and I encourage you when you... Um, when you have devotions, to not try to go too quickly. You know, we, we live in such a fast-paced time, and, you know, everything is quick, and everything is fast, and hurry, hurry, hurry. And you can feel that same pressure when you're do, doing devotional reading or when you're spending some time in solitude and quiet. And I started just thinking about uh, and letting, and I encourage you to do this, sort of your, for lack of a better term, let your theological imagination uh, just sort of blossom a little bit. What does it mean for Jesus to intercede for you? Not just us, but for you. 
And that's what I want to, I, I want us to explore that a little bit. And I want to look at a couple little vignettes from the New Testament of Jesus interacting with people. You'll probably be familiar with, with all three stories. But before we do that, I want to just look at John 17, 20. This is where Jesus is giving his high priestly prayer. And he's praying for a lot of things. He's asking the Father for a lot. But this is one place where he says, my prayer is not only for them alone, speaking of his disciples. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. And you know, that includes us in this room. So many, like I said, so many times it's, you know, you read a passage of scripture, you read a story, you say, yeah, 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 I know that. I don't think it's a stretch to say that Jesus in his ability as the son of God is able to pray for people in ways that you and I really can't. I mean, we live in a time where, you know, you hear a celebrity perhaps say, I love you all to the audience, you know, or I, I love the world. Well, probably not. I mean, they don't even really know you. So they can't really love you. I mean, I get, I get that it, it sounds nice. And Jesus said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And I don't think that means that that's alone is enough, but that's a really good place to start. The point being that when Jesus says that he prays for those that will believe in the disciples' message and he's looking forward he has the ability to really do that in a way that you and I would just be like maybe just saying those words. So the implications of Jesus praying for you, have you ever thought, maybe not until tonight, hearing Jesus speak your name to the Father? Now, I don't mean like if your name is Ben or if your name is Stephanie and you just happen to be a Ben or you happen to be a Roger or you happen to be a Sarah. Or I mean your name, meaning thinking of you personally, you the individual, bringing you before the throne. And how about this? What's he praying for on your behalf? In light of what you're going through, in light of what he knows that you're going through. What's he praying? What's he saying? What's he asking the Father for? So I, I want to unpack this a little bit and, and see where this takes us. Now, first, some foundations. We've got to think about who is this one who prays for us? Who is this one who said way back there in the first and second century era, I pray not only for these with me, but I pray for those that will believe through their name. And in Hebrews 1, uh, 1 through 3, it says this, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets in many times and in many ways. Next. There we go. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Now, now let's catch this whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. And the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, 
sustaining all things by the word of his power. And after he had made purifications or provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. What I want you to catch for the purposes of this evening, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Now, we can't say that about any other person. We can only say that about Jesus. John Piper uh, described the incarnation in this way. It's God going public. I like that phrase. God went public in the incarnation. Meaning that when we see Jesus and we hear him teach and we watch him act and we see how he treats people, what we're seeing, who we're seeing is God, God in the flesh. That's what incarnation means, God going public. So when we look at these vignettes tonight and we look at how Jesus is treating people and interacting with them, we're, we're learning something about God's nature. And it's really important for us to get this straight, that we think about God clearly and rightly, not so that we can answer the test on the Sunday school exam, not, not for that, so that our thinking is right and correct and in, line, and in alignment with what God wants to do in our lives and what he wants to do in the lives of people around us and what, and what he wants to do in helping us. Because see, if we think of God as this either mean old God up there somewhere or this very distant God or this little itty bitty God or whatever image you might come up with that does not fully represent the full nature of God's holiness, his attributes. The theological terms are omniscient, that he knows everything, omnipresent, that he's everywhere, all loving, genuine goodness. Jesus is the exact representation of God's nature. Like John Piper says, God going public. So this is a foundational, and then when we think about Jesus uh, praying for us, this is the one who's praying for us. Now it gets, it gets hard for us because, especially, and we can't go into this tonight, but when you start thinking about the Trinity and you think about God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about Jesus praying to himself about you. We're talking about Jesus praying to God the Father about you. And that's kind of like, like, you know, I mean, people will say that. People will, will poke fun at the idea, the concept of the Trinity and say, oh, you know, so Jesus was just like a little schizophrenic. He was just talking to himself. No, he wasn't. He was addressing the Father. In John 17, he's addressing the Father. Hard for us to fully grasp, but three persons revealing one God. So this foundation is very important. Let me read the, the, the quote from John Piper about uh, this relates to God's glory uh, and God, uh, Jesus being the exact representation of his nature. God's glory includes his attributes, John Piper says. The essence of his being, the infinite value and nature of God going public. God's glory is the radiance of his holiness the radiance of his manifold, infinitely worthy and valuable perfections. 
Now that's, in our day and age, sounds kind of heavy and kind of wordy, but if you can grasp some of those words and think about them and let them go deep into God revealing his very nature to us through his son, Jesus. Now, I want to look at a couple of just, just three little vignettes, and I, I'm going to introduce this, uh, each one, by thinking in terms of the one who prays for you, and now I'm going to like fill in the blank. So the one who prays for you, this first vignette we're going to look at, loves children. Now, guess what? I got news for you. You all once were one, and, and that I know about. And so was I. And uh, I think it's really, really good news that the one who prays for us loves children. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about, and I'm not by any stretch of the imagination, some of you probably know much more than I do, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination any kind of expert on world religions. But I think the way children are treated is pretty vital. Think about it. They're little innocent, these little innocent creatures. They live by mercy. I mean, they, they're, you know, in some ways it's a little scary how God set this up because you and I didn't get to pick our parents. We didn't get to pick how they were going to treat us. And, and look, some of us have some really tragic stories about that and realities. But when Jesus comes to us, Jesus loves children. This story, it kind of blows my mind because, well, let's just, just, just look at it. In Matthew 19, 13 through 15 says this. Now remember, the one who prays for you loves and prays for children. Well, I didn't say that. Loves, and we're going to see, prays for children. Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples, though, rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And after laying his hands on them, he departed from there. Quick little story, quick little vignette. But look what's going on there. Here's a question I have. Why did the parents even take their kids to Jesus? What was it that they had heard? What was it that they had seen? For some reason, they mustered up the courage, if it took courage, and they brought their kids to Jesus. Now, you know what it's like when, you, when kids are around. Some of them are, if you say, you know, file, stand in line here, kids, you know, and stay here, and we're going to go see Jesus here in just a minute. Well, half of them are standing in line, half of them aren't, right? They're running around. They're not even really paying attention. Maybe, you know, one's found a little frog or something, picked it up and playing with it, or somebody's found a rock or whatever. So a little bit of uh, disorderliness. And maybe this is what got to the disciples. Because clearly, they can't handle it. Bummer, huh? It's, I don't know, is it not spiritual enough for them? I don't know what they're thinking. Don't bother the teacher, don't let... But Jesus loves these children, and he not only lets them come to him, he actually puts his hands out, lays his hands on there, and prays for them. Now, another theological imagination. What kind of prayers is he praying for them? What does he know about their little, not fully, I mean, they're, they're fully formed, but their lives have not fully blossomed? He knows what they're going to face. 
What's, what kind of protection is he praying over them? What happened to some of them after Jesus prayed for them in this manner? What kind of calling came upon their lives? What kind of protection? What kind of terrible things did they encounter? Like our sister shared, you know, it doesn't always go our way. Story after story. But the one who prays for you, the one who names your name in particular, and your name passes through his lips to the throne of the Father, loves little children and prays for them. And I think that's really, really good to know about him. Okay? Next little vignette. The one who prays for you understands social rejection. Now I'm going to admit to you, I, I, might, I might be stretching this a little bit, but I don't think I am. I don't think I am. I, you could make an argument that I might be. The passage I want to use here is Luke 5, 12 through 13. Common story, Jesus is coming into one of the cities, and there's a man there, and he's covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face, and he implored him. The New American Standard uses the word implored or, or begged fell on his face, implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, you've probably heard all kinds of things about leprosy. And, you know, it's the, you had to, if you had leprosy, you had to call out unclean, unclean. You, you couldn't come into an environment like this. You were never invited to the party. You were a social reject. Now, obviously, Jesus is, heals the man. And I love the phrase. I love the way it's expressed. If you're willing, you can make me clean. The, the man had faith that Jesus could do this. And I love Jesus' response. I am willing. I am willing. No hesitancy. But here's why I say that Jesus understands social rejection or the kind of rejection we can sometimes experience. And I think all of us go through this at different times. You know, we, you know, we humans... You probably already know this about yourself. We are just so good at hiding from one another. We can walk into a party or into a gathering, and we can look like, hey, everything is fine. And inwardly, inwardly everything isn't fine. Well, this leper, this poor man, this poor gentleman, faced that every single day. Every single day he faced his disease. And wherever he went, he had to cry out, unclean, unclean. Had to cover his face, cover his mouth. Probably couldn't recognize him except that you knew, oh yeah, there he is. There's the, there's the leper. And when Jesus heals him, there's, a, there's an implication behind this healing. My friend Travis, by the way, everybody say hello to Travis. I brought my friend Travis here. Travis, Travis was... Uh, a little guy in our in our church when my wife and I were passionate that, and now Travis is almost, I mean, he might be taller than me, but he's almost taller than me. We were talking about this driving over, that when, you know, whether it be a leper or a lame person or anybody that's healed in the scriptures that we read of, you know, their whole life, certainly for the good, gets changed, but their responsibility level takes a big leap. You can't say unclean anymore because you're not. Now, how do you interact socially? Where do you go to get your first job? Do you start a family? Do you, do you date? 
I mean, you know, we just think of, you know, unclean, got leprosy, boom, doesn't have leprosy. Think of the lame man at the temple. Lay there for, what, 38 years, it said. Well, when he gets healed, when Peter and John, when he gets healed, he no longer gets to do that. I mean, that'd look a little silly, wouldn't it? You know, still asking for alms, and you're perfectly good. I mean, you can get up and walk. You say, hey, man, what are you doing? You can you get up and walk. Of course not. So for you and for me, areas where we struggle, perhaps in areas of social rejection, you don't have leprosy. I don't have leprosy. But is it too much to say that sometimes we feel unclean? Awkward? Misfit? It's not really happening for me like it looks like it's happening for everybody else? You know, I'll be straight with you. It, it, it's almost embarrassing for me to, to tell you what I'm about to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I don't think I've said it here, and if I did, I'm sorry, forgive me, because, you know, when you, you come back and visit, you forget what stories you already told. But some of the guys I listen to, some of the men and women I listen to, they, I hear their stories more than once. So if you've heard this more than once, just, so what? <laughs> but when I was in high school, and, you know, PE and athletics and all that stuff, I was the guy that if you got, let's say, the great athlete, Danny, you know, as Danny was, you know, there was always like a, a Danny, or I'm sure in, in women's areas, it's the same kind of a thing. There's always the one that really had it together, and then they're the ones who didn't. Well, I was the one who didn't. So I was the one that if, if on your team you got Danny, the great big strong guy, you had to take me too. <laughs> and they would actually say that. Hey, if you're getting Danny, you got to take Nichols. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that for you to just, you know, come up and have a pity party with me. But does it make sense to you say that that was, in, for me to say to you that that was incredibly painful? I knew exactly what was going on. And I couldn't do anything to fix it. I, I didn't like that. I had other things that I could do well, but that wasn't, that, wasn't, that wasn't the area for me. And I don't know about you, but in, when I was in high school, PE class for men, and I, think I would assume for women as well, for some of us, that was incredibly painful. And I'm just using that as one example. Life has all kinds of places where you can feel like you don't quite fit, like you're unclean. And the one who prays for us, the one who names your name, knows that. And in fact, he himself was rejected. Scripture says he came to his own people, and he didn't accept them. They said, no thanks. Remember when he healed the gathering demoniac? Scripture is very clear. It says that the, they came, and after the pigs, after he had cast the demons out of the man and into the pigs, and they ran over the edge, many of the townspeople came, and they, and they saw the man clothed in his right mind, clothed and in his right mind, and they saw what happened to the pigs. They turned to Jesus, and they said, please leave. Please leave. Whatever that was, we don't like it. Hard to, hard to imagine. 
Last one. The one who prays for you knows your weakness. Kind of related to the one that we just looked at, but here we're going to look at Simon. Good old Simon Peter, Luke 22, 31 through 34. The passage, that, passage says, Simon, Simon, behold, this is near the end of, let me, this is near the end of Jesus' ministry. He's trying to prepare his disciples for his uh, crucifixion, for these events that are going to start happening pretty quickly, for his arrest and, you know, all the things that lay before him. He's trying to prepare, pre- prepare them. And he turns to Simon Peter at one point, and he says to him, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and that once, and then when once you have turned again, that you will strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, for you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, Peter, before the rooster will crow today until will not crow today until you have denied me three times now you see what's going on here Jesus fully aware of who Peter is and his character qualities both positive and not so positive negative he's saying he, he said Peter let me tell you something Satan the accuser has demanded permission and we have to Realize that whenever, this kind of takes us back to the book of Job, Job chapters 1 and 2, if you look that up, that Satan asked permission to, to mistreat Job and to take away his family and to affect him physically and all that. And not until God gives permission can that happen. But in Job's case, God gave the permission. And in Peter's case, Apparently, some permission was granted because Jesus says, Satan has demanded to sift you, but I have prayed for you. Now, don't, I don't think we can think that that was just like a quick fix, like it wasn't a big deal and that Peter didn't go through some trauma because he did go through some trauma and he wept bitterly once he realized that what Jesus had said about him, once that actually happened and he did deny Jesus three times. And at one point he said, look, I tell you, he tells the, the uh, servant girl, I don't know the man. And then he hears the rooster crow. Peter, I don't think, was pretending. I think he really wanted to be committed to the level that he said that he was committed. But you know what? He just was weak. And he wasn't the hero that he thought he could be at that point. He wasn't ready. He said, look, I'm ready to die, and I'm ready. And, and folks, I want to be careful here, but I want to be accurate. We say some things in our worship songs that aren't quite yet true of us. I mean, have I surrendered everything? I want to say yes, but I know I haven't. I was telling uh, Travis coming over here another little story of 
uh, and my wife and I attend a church in Petaluma, Calvary Chapel, Petaluma, and one of the first times we visited there, the pastor was sharing that they, they're trying to buy new property and they're trying to build a building, and this has been going on for, for, for years and years, and he said that he was going around this parcel of land and he was praying and he was asking the Lord, you know, and, and he said, we, we really thought that we were going to get it. He was sharing this with the congregation. It really looked like it was going to happen. And then he said, but it didn't. And then this is what he said. And I so appreciate it as he said, it's really hard when the answer is no. And I just so appreciated his honesty. It's really hard when the answer is no. It's really hard when it doesn't quite go the way you thought it was going to go. And in Peter's case, his life didn't quite go the way he thought it was go at that moment. He really, he really wanted to be ready, and I think that's really honorable in many, many ways. And it's honorable when you and I want to be ready, and we want to say we're there, and we want to say we're already there, but Jesus knows our weakness, and he prays for us. And he can say to us, but I have prayed for you. I see what you're going through. I see your anguish. I see the childhood you went through. I see the struggle you're having now. I see how things aren't going the way you thought. I see the culture that you're living in. I see how you feel like you're robbed day in and day out. I see how confused you are. But I'm praying for you. And what I want you to leave here with tonight is this, that reality. That whether you're a hero or not, he's praying for you. And he's pulling for you. And he still has things for you. And that's really, really good news. I think I have mentioned this before uh, here. If you read the last part of the book of Mark, it's, what, it's the, it, the, the, the resurrection and the charge that Jesus gives to the disciples there reads a little bit different than it does in the other Gospels because there Jesus says to his disciples... You are unbelieving, I'm paraphrasing, you have hard hearts and you're unbelieving. Now go preach the gospel. <laughs> there you go. I mean, you know, can you, I just can imagine the disciples going, I think he's talking about us. Yeah. You know, these were the guys who got confused and thought that he was upset because they didn't have bread. You know, these are the guys who argued about who was going to be the foremost in the kingdom of heaven. And that's another time when Jesus brings these children in front of him and says, here, let me show you something. Until, unless you become like a little child, you can't even enter in the kingdom of heaven. And I don't think that necessarily means heaven when we die. I think it means you can't enter into the reality of the presence of the kingdom here and now unless you're like a child. Because if you think you have it all figured out, that's not living by mercy. That's living by your own revelation and your own best idea. Have you ever had a, a really good idea for God? You know, like, God, if you just do it like this, this would be, like, awesome. You ever had a good idea for God? And it didn't quite go the way you thought? <laughs> it's hard. But James says, in James chapter 1, there's something about going through trials and difficulty that perfect our endurance. Consider it all joy, my brothers, and I'll say sisters, 
whenever you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously. Something about the struggle, something about not everyone being a victory for us, something about needing Jesus to say to us, but I have prayed for you. And then he charged Peter that he said, and when you have returned, when you have repented, when you've gotten this straightened out, Peter, strengthen your brothers. Apparently, those who know much more Greek than I do, which doesn't take very many people to know that because I don't know like any Greek, but, well, actually, my mom was Greek, so I know one Greek. Um, <laughs> bad joke. <laughs> Apparently, in that passage, when Jesus says Satan has demanded permission to sift you, it's in the plural. So apparently Jesus is not only talking about Peter, he's talking about the rest of the disciples as well. So that makes sense when he says, I want you to go back and strengthen your brother. So when we understand our area, when we understand, or I should say it this way, when we admit that we have areas of weakness and struggle and we're not the heroes that we would like to be, we're able to minister to and strengthen others in a way that we can't when it's, when it appears that we have it all together. I mean, I just can't relate to people like that. I once knew a pastor once, I asked him, I asked him this question. I said, what do you do when you have a bad night or a bad day? And this is what he said to me, I don't have bad days. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was, let me say that again, let's not groan. Yeah, I don't have bad days. I said, and I, I just thought, I just can't relate to that. I can't get help from him because I need to talk to somebody that's had some bad days. I need to, I need to hear that wisdom. Well, Jeff, when you have a bad day, this is what you need to do. Because surely there will be some. Anybody here ever had a bad day? Yeah, of course. So here's what I'd like us to do. We've got plenty of time. I want to I wanna have a, a good old-fashioned ministry time. We minister to each other, and we're not rushed. And uh, Ben and I talked just a little bit, and Stephanie, and I think we're going to try to just have uh, maybe no worship music. And here's why. Just so we can hear one another when we minister to each other. Because sometimes it's just, it's just hard to hear, you know? I told Ben, I said, you, go, you ask somebody, so what's your name? And they... They tell you their name and you see their lips move, but you didn't hear anything, you know, unless you already know them and, and uh, so on and so forth. But, but here's, here's how I want to set this up. Very simple, very, very simple. I assume that we pretty much all need prayer, okay? And what I'd like to do, uh, let, me, let me explain it and then you can respond how you choose to. First of all, nobody has to do anything, so you know, and this is not making you do anything. But I'd like you to pair up, ideally men with men and women with women, just one-on-one. -on -one. And, and uh, we have some slides prepared. I, I, I wrote some very simple prayers. Now, you don't have to use these during the ministry time. This might help prime the pump.
but the first prayer, can we have that slide up there for the, the slide? Is, oh, there we go. So for heart of a child. So if, if someone comes up, let's say I'm praying for Ben. So here's something I learned a long time ago. You know, you can pray with your eyes open. It's okay. It doesn't scare the Holy Spirit away. <laughs> and and, and he's, he's not afraid of being, you know, seen if he's doing something. So it's okay to, and here's another thing. It's okay to actually read something while you're ministering. This. You don't have to, but if this helps you, okay? So I'm praying for Ben, and I just lay my hands on Ben. Can I lay my hands on you? And I say, Ben, may the Lord teach you mercy, and may he give you genuine interest and curiosity to explore the kingdom of God. May you continue to learn renewed and growing trust in him, the father of lights. Now, when I start that, I'm really tempted to continue, which is the point. Continue. Man, I just really bless you right now, brother. I really do. I really bless you. I bless you with the Lord Jesus and the heart that he has for children. And he saw you when you were a child. And he knows every ache and every pain that you ever went through. And he knows every disappointment. And he's really pulling for you. And he loves you. And I welcome his healing to go right into your heart and to minister to you in the deepest part of who Ben is, both as an adult and that child that lives. And just like that cool breeze that just came in through that window, I just bless the work of the Holy Spirit to rest on you, my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. And Stephanie helped us. Stephanie was... Just like that. Now, I'm not, I, I really was praying for Ben, right? I mean, duh, I was really praying for Ben. But I'm trying to model for you something of how simple it is. I loved when I was taught to pray like this. I was never really, I mean, until I met some folks in the Vineyard Movement, and it's not that God has the only thing going in the Vineyard, because I don't believe that at all. I love coming here, I love this. But we were taught and we were helped and we were taught to pray with our eyes open. And it's really easy to forget some of that stuff and just to pray simply over one another. And then when we were done, Ben could in turn could just pray that back for me. Now the slides are gonna go, let's go to the next one. Social relationships, there's a prayer for social relationships. You can use that as you're praying for your brother or sister. You don't have to. It's just a way to get the pump primed. You might find if you're hesitant, to go ahead and use that, and then you may found, find, like I found, you're, the, the pump is primed. You're ready to go. Or you may be done. It's okay to be done. You don't have to go on and on. That one says, may the Lord heal every broken and bruised area in your social relationships. May you learn to both give and receive in the context of community. See, Peter was called to not only get restoration, but to experienced the strengthening of his brothers as well. May you continue to grow in the goodness of God 
and his love for, the, for you and those around you. Now, my understanding is these were going to cycle about every 15 seconds. It'll go the first one, the second one, and then the third one. Just put the third one up there, please. There's a restoration. I won't read through that one, but there's a restoration for you and the ability to bless others. Now, I, I get it that it's going to go away every 15 seconds, so you might be right halfway in the middle of it, but you know what? Just work that out. <laughs> I just realized that, that uh, and, you know, maybe we can make them go long. But anyway, we'll, but the point is, we just want to, and, and here, I'm, I'm going to end with this. Here's what we're doing today. We're simply seeking to affirm and pray the prayers that Jesus is praying for us. You're seeking by faith to listen to the Father, to listen to what he's saying, to listen to the Holy Spirit, and pray that over your friend. And then when you're done, turn and now and turn and pray for the Change, change roles is what I'm trying to say. So here's what I want to invite you to do. This is, how, this, is how we, this is just how spiritual it was when, the first, when I first experienced something like this. If you want to do this, just get up and come forward right now. Okay? If you want to do this, just get up, come forward. Just break the ice. Once we break the ice, it'll be really easy. And then, and then pair up. Uh, you don't have to know the person, but you can try to, pray up, try to pair up women with women and men with men. And I want to invite the prayer team, uh, the, your prayer team, to come and just sort of wander around and watch and help. And, look at, and you know what? If we don't have enough room up here, you can uh, just go in the, in the pews there and sit. Or, or stand, however, wherever you want to do it. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for all of us before we launch into this. And then, and then once, once I, I pray, what, how I want you to begin, just ask the person what area would you like to receive prayer in. It can be one of these three areas. It doesn't have to be. It can be another need. And you want to invite the Lord to say, Lord, I just ask you by faith, give me the prayers that you want to pray over my friend and then name them, okay? Let's pray together and then we'll start. And I just really want to emphasize, keep this really, really simple, really simple. Lord, we welcome your simplicity to be here among us. We really need simple today, Lord. And we need rest, and we need ease. We have, we, have tried to been here, we have tried to be heroes for too long, God. We're not heroes. We're just your followers. We love you, Lord, and, and we go three steps forward and two steps back and five steps forward and two steps back and one step forward and eight steps back. But here we are, Lord. And we welcome your Holy Spirit to come and rest on us now as we pray for each other these simple prayers. God, empower us and give us words from heaven to bless each other. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So just start to pray, interview a little bit, find out what's going on, and then we'll continue on. <laughs>